Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. Answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. I am Eric Kane, alongside Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Brent Hubbs. This podcast, as always, presented by our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. If you need roofing, siding, windows, or a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local and trusted since 1999. Give them a call for a free estimate. That's at 865-524-5888 or visit them online at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. We've got a full bank of questions, so let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's go to Potato Quest. Can Vison Lang be a center next year? Is he the front runner, and what positions do you think need to be addressed in the portal based on who you think might not be back. Austin, if you want to start us off here. Well, I do think he's the front runner because he's the one that they've, they've put a, a ton of work in with uh, and continue to do that. I mean, is he going to play this year? Probably not. I mean, maybe he gets in, in the UConn game or a blowout game if Tennessee has one. But, um, you know, ultimately I think he would be the front runner just because I think he's the best center body. Um, but ultimately – they're going to attack every position in the portal, I would imagine. Like, I don't think that there's one that they don't. I mean, all the tackles, the guards. Um, obviously, you like their recruiting class, Hubbard, you know, that they're, they're, they're bringing in. We'll see if they can add Jordan Seaton, which would really be the – that'd be a big cherry on top, but it would be. Um, uh, but, you know, I just think they're going to need experience. It's unrealistic to think that some of the players they have – currently are going to just flip the switch maybe they do maybe they do but i think it's a little bit you know far-fetched and then you know i think it's you know unrealistic to think these freshmen are going to come in here and start right away at least most of them yeah i mean the offensive line is the biggest portal need on this team and it's at all spots on the offensive line you take you take the four best guys you can get now they've 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 got to be some tackle bodies you can't take four guards but i mean you're going to take some guys um who can who can come in and play. Uh, and then the question is going to be, what other positions are you going to be looking at? Because it feels like you probably need to look tight in, uh, receiver, uh, and then maybe defensive line, depending on what happens with the COVID, the COVID year guys, who comes back, who doesn't come back. So I think it's going to be a very active year in the portal for Tennessee. Um, and, and I think it's going to start with that offensive line as the biggest priority, Eric. I'll, I will say this before we move on. You know, much like the defensive line, and Hubs just referenced the COVID years, like on the offensive line, who could come back? Mincy, Spragans, Coop, John Campbell. Now, I would tell you that, that, that they're all likely going to go, but in theory, some of those guys could potentially come back for another year. But I don't think that right now, as we said here, you know, early October, early to mid-October, that that's kind of where their minds are at. Now, maybe it changes, and that ultimately helps Tennessee – knowing, okay, hey, we've got this guy back or that guy back. But right now, I think you have to prepare for all to leave, and if any of them stay, then that's good, right? 
Yeah, and I think when you look at it, I mean, I think you're going to have to have some some real conversations, Eric, in, in November. And that's probably not the real time that you want to have conversations because you've got a football season to play. But you have to have an idea of where you're going to be in December because of the way this portal window fits. You're going to have to have some early answers on who – on who's coming back and who's not coming back legitimately. And then you got to decide, you know, you're going to try to NIL somebody back. I mean, there's a lot of we, – we talk about it every week or uh, many weeks, roster management. Roster management for this offseason is going to be really critical for this football team because they're going to have some real decisions to make on some guys. Um, and some guys are going to have some re- some real decisions to make about the program as well. Yeah, just we'll all be thankful whenever the phase of the COVID years are done. Uh, again, it's, it's almost there. Uh, but there's just more and more conversations because you never had this option in years past and you've had it the past couple of seasons. And some of these guys need to move on for the for the betterment of probably themselves. And some of, the, some of these guys, Tennessee wants to move on. But also you want to have some of these guys back and have that luxury and take advantage of it. So knowing kind of where you are position wise heading into December, finishing out the regular season and knowing how to attack the portal is going to be critical for Tennessee because there's a lot of guys, especially at the line of scrimmage, as you pointed out, that. You know, could return and could impact your team moving forward. Let's go to Rhett Lawyer. The kickoff return has been has become obsolete with everybody having a kicker who can kick it through the end zone or so um, high the returner has to ask for a fair catch. What rule change, Rob, would you propose to bring back the kick return? I sure miss the days of uh, Dale Carter and, and others here at Tennessee. I mean, it's simple. You got to move it back. I mean, if you if you want the kickoff return of the game, but I mean, I, I think clearly the powers that be, you know, are are fine with the way things are. And I, you know, I get it. The, you know, concussion protocol issues. I mean, that's, that's a, I guess a high free, an, an area of high frequency occurrence. Uh, if you're, if you're flying downfield, busting wedges. So I, I, I don't see them doing that guys. I mean, I, I think that if anything, they're, they're phasing it out because of the, you know, the injury factor. Yeah, I will say this. This could be a D. Williams or, or Cam Selden game when you look at this matchup. Texas A&M only has 21 touchbacks on 39 kicks. They've given up three kickoff returns of 30 yards or more, oh. including a 92-yarder for a touchdown by Miami in week two. So this might be a kickoff return weekend. Maybe He's had that one in the holster. I'm going to say, he's, hey, just been, hey. he's just been waiting. He, he's had that one locked and loaded. Couldn't wait for 10 things, Rob. Had to get it out here on the Mailbag <laughs> Podcast. I'm just saying, uh, th- this – this is not a team that has kicked the ball consistently in the end zone. And, and now they haven't got a, a lot of, not a lot of teams have, have fair caught it either for touchbacks. So we'll, we'll see what happens this week. How aggressive is Tennessee going to be there? Let's go to Memphis Mitch 14. A couple questions here. AM's rush defense has been great so far this year. Vols rushing attack has been just as good. What do you guys anticipate happening, Austin, in the matchup between the front seven and Tennessee's run game and also about the – uh, A&M's front seven getting pressure on the quarterback. Do you think that Tennessee's tempo on offense could possibly slow down some of their pass rush? Well, Hubbard had this in the stock report where he said Tennessee's run game was stock stagnant for him. And I got his point, right? I mean, like, you know, Tennessee's not really played anybody through the first five games outside of South Carolina and Florida. Um, and, and South Carolina wasn't great. Um, and Tennessee's one game they really played Florida, you know, who's ranked, what, in the 30s hover or whatever, like, they were just okay. I mean, like about, about 100 yards wasn't good enough. Now, they did abandon the run for a chunk of that game. But my question to Hubs, once we got on tape in the stock report, is I could also counter with Tennessee had their best five finally for South Carolina. Cooper's back. How much does that play? I think you, you find out a lot this week, which is why Hubbard's stock stagnant was accurate. 
because after this week they could be or they could be really stock up. You just don't know. Um, I think to this point, A&M has played a much – A&M's defensive line has played a lot better offensive lines than Tennessee's offensive line has played better defensive lines. So, um, to this point, like I would give the favor to Texas A&M. Can Tennessee get over 100 yards rushing? I know the Hubbard's magic number is 150. Um, we'll see about that. But uh, I think you'll find out a lot about how important Cooper was, which only increases his denial value if you want to try to bring him back um, Saturday against Texas A&M. You know, Rob, the interesting thing, too, is, I mean, A&M's been really good, but they haven't played true spread teams, you know, I mean, sideline to sideline. So how spread out can Josh Heupel get A&M's defense? Because that's the whole concept. You spread it out, you try to get to double teams and create creases in the run game. How does A&M fare when maybe it's harder to load the box to stop the run, which is what they did uh, against Alabama, because Alabama's playing in, in a much tighter box, a tighter window, if you will. So, uh, I think there's some scheme that'll be interesting to see what DJ Durkin's counter is to Tennessee's scheme and what's Tennessee's scheme. What do they do to try to create a lighter box against Texas A&M's front? Yeah, I, mean, I, I was going to mention, you, you pointed this out on Tuesday, however, how they, against Alabama, Texas A&M, was able to play mostly with, with one safety high and, and really controlled Alabama's ground game. You know, Now, they gave up big shots down the field enough to cost them the game, and you wonder, you know, the way Tennessee spreads people out, man, can they really afford to, to, you know, play that one safety high in order to to try and and, and bottle up the run game? And I, I I'll be, I, I think it would be fascinating to see what they come out come out in. I mean, do they think they can do it from the start? Because man, if they if it if they really do, you know, just go with the one safety high look. That's a lot of open space. The way that you know Tennessee will spread you horizontally. You know, with that blistering October heat that's going to be at Dillon Stadium on on Saturday night, I could see DJ Durkin's counter being you know a lot of cramps because we saw that in the Ole Miss game <laughs> back in twenty twenty one. Oh wow, that's a you great know, point. I, I don't know if that was all DJ Durkin or if that was the head coach with his code signal, right? AP, uh, he had he had Lane Kiffin had his codes for guys to. To fall, no. to fall down. But, you know, but the, to, to answer his question about the tempo, it's all about making that first first down. You know, if Tennessee can make the first first down, then you can start really getting those defensive linemen running, and, and that's what you've got to do. But to do that, you can't go quick three and outs, and, and you've got to win. Um, you got to win early downs to make third down manageable. So uh, there, there's a lot of factors in play here. If Tennessee can get into their tempo, then, yes, I think it can stretch and slow down the pass rush. The challenge for Tennessee is going to be getting to tempo. They've got to win early downs to do that. So, Brent, on that, C.S. Giles uh, has a question about we're always talking about, we just now are, you know, tempo, wearing out A&M's good defensive front um, because it's the strongest unit, getting first downs. How would you attack that offensively? Is it the horizontal passes, the screen passes out to the perimeter, the quick slants? Joe Milton was throwing better over the middle of the field last game. Uh, steady run game. Kind of what is your philosophy offensively in, in trying to get that first first down? Well, I think it depends on how A&M's lining up, you know, right? I mean, if it's, if it's a loaded box, you're going to have to throw it, right, AP? I mean, you, I mean, uh, otherwise, you gotta, I think you're going to be very likely in second and nine, and then you're not where you want to be. So, uh, you know, Tennessee has thrown a lot on first down this year because – uh, it's been some of the sideways stuff, but I, I mean, if they're loaded to box on first down, and I think you got to look at throwing the football and and trying to create some positive plays that way to get into that first first down. 
Agreed. I mean, you know, and and so much of what Tennessee's going to try has done this year has been side to side, right? I, I, I just think that's not where you can go in this game. I'm not saying you can't do it a little bit early, but at some point you're going to have to take some shots to loosen them up. And I think loosen them up for the short stuff, loosen them up for the running game. Um, you know, I think it's going to be paramount to, to, to as Hub said, to have success on first down, um, you know, to, to really kind of get the mojo going because Tennessee needs the crowd in the game early. They'll be in it on defense, but I think you want them in it on offense too. I mean, I think you want them to have some excitement because I think that just feeds feeds the beast even more. Well, and we've talked about this all, all week, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with the tip. you got to avoid those negative plays. Tennessee was great Facts. At, at doing that against, um, you know, South Carolina, and, and Texas A&M is, is tops in the country as far as tackles for loss. Um I mean, did it against Alabama, and got and this, the importance of staying on schedule if you want to be able to play with Tempo is paramount. You know, Kelsey Pope again was asked. This is back in fall camp. It was more of a question about offenses translating to the NFL with Tillman and Haya, but I mean, it <laughs> rings true. He said, "Hey, our goal is to get these guys in one-on-one matchups down the field. Tennessee's going to have those opportunities. Brian, how many times would they play in man coverage? You know, uh, against Alabama last week. There's going to be opportunities, and depending on where your run game is." Again, we talked about that rush defense for AM all week long, 84 yards on average. Um, maybe you're not having as good of a day as you want, and so you're going to need to force the ball down the field, or not force, but throw the ball down the field. You're going to have those one-on-one matchups. There will be opportunities there, so Austin, I completely agree. Um, you need to take advantage of those. You're not going to hit everyone. You never will, but you need to be better than 8 of 30, which is where Milton currently is at 20 yards or more down the field. So here, here, here's one last thing before we move on to the next question. I, because Brew's out, and I, and I know he, he you know, in, was it the Austin P game, he got called for a holding or whatever. But, like, his ability to block out there in the screen game is yep. so undervalued uh, by a lot of people. And I just wonder when you all of a sudden have Chip Nimrod and Caleb Webb and, and, and Dante and those guys out there, where they're not as good, they're not as physical, do holding penalties – hurt drives if they try to go with a lot of the short stuff because all of a sudden you taking what was going to be a four-yard gain on screen turns into a you know 10 yard going the other direction with it with a with a holding penalty and all of a sudden you're playing at second and 20. well and here's yeah here's you're exactly right here's the other thing too to your point eric about the one-on-one matchups don't fall in love with the deep shot the entire game right yeah don't don't forget you got a running back don't forget who you are you can get them in the in the flat i mean it's easy to say loaded box one-on-one, let's throw it deep, right? You, you, I mean, that can't be your entire offense. And I think at times um, with, with, with Josh and Joey Halsey this year, they've gotten away from some balance. And I think it's going to be imperative that it does, doesn't become a deep shot fest if it's one-on-one out there the, the entire game. you got to take some of those, but that can't be your entire offensive plan because you've just not shown that you can hit those consistently enough. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, d- don't get away from who you are. Run your offense, um, but but try to take advantage when that when that's given. Uh, let's go to Huntsville Vol thirty three eighty six. Couple of questions here, Rob. We'll go, we'll start with you, and we can go around the room. Um, offense and defensive MVP for the Vols to win on Saturday. Rob, who's on offense and defense? Who's your MVP of Tennessee wins? I mean, you would always go with the quarterback. I mean, that, that's an easy answer. But I, offensive line. I mean, just we we've talked all week about the matchup of. You know, Tennessee leads the SEC in rushing yardage. Texas A&M leads the SEC in, in rush defense. So, I go, I go there. I mean, I, Tennessee, I will say, EC, what's Texas A&M give up? 84 a game? Is it 80? On the 80, ground, yeah. Yeah, 84 a game. Tennessee's at 231. 
I, I think it's easy to say whichever team is closest to their average when, when the day's over, as far as you know, run, yards given up running or or, or yards gained. Well, I, I would tentatively say that'll be your winner. And um, man, pass rush defensively. I, if you want an individual, Tyler Bear and James Pierce, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. And I mean, Tim Banks talked about it earlier this week about how, how much. I don't know if easier is the right word, but you know, simpler it is as a defensive play caller when, when your guys are getting home. I mean, it just makes takes so much pressure off off of you and, and lets you be so much more creative. And I, Tennessee needs to keep doing that. Texas a and gave up a lot of pressure to Alabama, and and Tennessee, you know, like I said, to be be yourself, keep keep doing what you've been doing. Kind of in that same vein, I would say, uh, and again, you need to hit a couple shots down the field. You need to take advantage of that. But, um, you know, running the football, you know, Jalen Wright, go out there and be a dog. Uh, you've improved. You're obviously Tennessee's best back. I think you're one of the better backs in the SEC uh, against a great rush defense. Go out there and, and, and take advantage of that blocking in front of you and, and go have a day. So I'll say Jalen Wright. And then defensively, yeah, pass rush. Um, you take Tyler Barron. I'll take James Pierce. Just, you know, whoever it's going to be. Austin, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the interior of the, the defensive line um, is important as well. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I think, you know, Omar Norman Lodge got a little bit dinged up, you know, uh, last game. You know, we'll see if he's able to go in this one. Um, and then Omari Thomas, um, you know, I think, you know, Bryce and Eason, you know, I think those guys can, can you know, be able to have that interior penetration, which makes things easier for a Pierce and a Barron. Um, out off the edge. And then Josh Josephs has been coming along. I mean, he kind of felt like he kind of got in the doghouse there a little bit for a game or two, um, but, you know, has started to make his way back. And again, the more depth they can have, that way they can spell Roman Harrison, spell James Pierce just a little bit to have those guys fresher longer, um, I think matters. Brent, who's your MVPs if Tennessee wins? The defensive front in general. I mean, because that means they're getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, I think there, and and then I think the other is probably Cooper Mays because if Tennessee's going to win, then I think they're going to have to be able to run it just enough and protect well enough. Um, maybe Joe's legs, um, not from the standpoint that he's going to go 81 yards for a touchdown. What he has to do is he's got to climb the pocket and get out if there's nothing there and understand three yards is a good play sometimes, right? If you got got in the secondary, don't get got and lose seven plays, you know, or seven yards get got in your play call and, and, and gain three yards instead by, by scrambling out a little bit. I, I think that's I think that's the next step. We're going to call Joe a game manager. That's where he's got to manage the game better, is he's got to make sure he avoids the big minus play and turn what should be a minus play into an even or a plus two. And my question to that, Hubbard, would be, has the brace on the knee gotten smaller or is it still real big and bulky? Because I think that can have a have, have a – saying how much he's able to move around a little bit. I mean, it's been two weeks, so, I mean, how much better does it feel? Yeah, but he still ought to be good enough. I mean, it ought to be good enough to where he's can avoid a seven-yard loss. I'm not saying he's got to run for 10. I'm just saying don't take – a lot of scrimmage. Yeah, Rob's talked about this all week long. Just avoid that negative. If it's not there, you're not going to have a chance to go through four or five progressions, right? If one and two's not there, you got to look at getting out and, and getting going. Um, he's not going to throw it well on the move. I think he's shown that to this point, Eric. And, you know, it's just avoid the, the big negative play. Don't don't let first and 10 become second and 17. Make it second and seven is my point. 
Three yards of play sets up fourth and one. And with this offense, you know Tennessee is going to go for it a lot of times on fourth and one. So I couldn't agree more. Last one here before we take a, a short timeout. Uh, this still from Huntsville Vol 3386. Austin, for you, a little vague, but um, you know, who do you think they can close with in 2024 recruiting? A couple big fish still out there and hoping to get them back on campus. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, obviously, you know, Jordan Seaton's planning on being here for the Georgia game for his official visit. He had a fantastic time two weeks ago. That's kind of Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. Tennessee's definitely in it, definitely in the mix. We'll see if they can get, uh, I guess, a little solidified even more with that official visit uh, in November. Cam Michael, Colorado, A&M, Tennessee. His cousin just committed to Colorado. I don't think that that's like a definite sign he's going to Colorado. Um, uh, but at the same time, I think it bears watching. Uh, A&M's also in it there. Um, if you you know you talk to different people about Cam Michael, they'll tell you, tell you different things. Um, and then we'll see about anybody, like whether there's a Kai Bates. Um, you know, I don't think anything's going to go on with Elijah Rushing. But, I mean, I guess you never can say never. It's recruiting in the NIL era. You, you can't discount anything. Um, obviously, Tennessee's looking at some tight ends, whether it's a Max LeBlanc, a Michael Williams, who's the teammate of Jake Merklinger, who is uh, likely going to, you know, decommit from South Carolina, you know, coming up here, you know, in, in the relative not-so-distant future. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens with any of those players. But, uh, you know, this is a, you know, Daniel, don't, let's not forget Daniel Hill. Um, you know, the more I talk to people, the more, the more that one's bizarre all together. Cause I do think there's a divide there of one person wants South Carolina, other people want Alabama. Tennessee's kind of the number two for both parties. And maybe they, you know, meet in the middle of Tennessee. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, I think that there's, uh, there's a lot to, to kind of digest for however six weeks ago you'd have said, man, this thing. I mean, I remember calling husband going, man, I don't know what I'm going to write for the war room this week. Like, this is <laughs> it's awful. There's nothing going on. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, got a little, got a little juice here. Now, does the juice turn into anything? We'll find out. But there's a little bit there. Well, yeah, Hugs got, does the entire war room by himself. So. I mean, you've got you got three you got three junior college players on the defensive line. Tennessee's actively recruiting. Uh, you get the running back who's committed to Arkansas, but Arkansas is in a tailspin. I don't think anything's going on there. But this is the time of year where some guys who committed really early are looking at two things. One, they're bored because they're not getting any love anywhere else. Two, they're getting a little antsy because they're starting to hear rumblings of what may or may not be happening at the school they're committed to. Florida starts losing more games. What happens there? I mean, it's got a chance to be a pretty wild end of the month of October and first part of November. Now, typically yeah. – you think it's going to be wild and it doesn't get that wild, but you never know. That's why you keep, that's why you better keep recruiting guys if your school's out there because anything can happen. We got plenty more questions to get into here on this edition of the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. But first, I want to hear from one of our favorite products, one of my favorite products, and I'm sure it's one of your favorite products as well. That is Bird Dogs. Those stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, AP, that gives you that sculpted look, right? Uh, Bird Dog shorts, they do the exact same thing that Lululemon does, but they fit way better. Because regular shorts are made of stiff, restricting cotton, but Bird Dogs has fixed that issue by inventing a closet fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches to fit weight slimmer without sacrificing movement. Uh, Bird Dogs also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Versatility is the name of the game with Bird Dogs, whether you're wearing slacks, shorts, whether you're going you know, to a meeting, whether you're going to church, whether you're going out to dinner with you know, family on a date, whatever the case may be, those slacks, those shorts, versatility is the name of the game 
with bird dogs. I enjoy them, and I'm sure you will as well. How do you get some bird dogs? Well, a great deal going on. Go to birddogs.com and slash VQ, that promo code VQ, birddogs.com slash VQ. You're going to get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order right now. That's birddogs.com slash VQ, promo code VQ, for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take off your bird dogs we promise you that. And of course, the presenting sponsor of the Ballquest Mailbag Podcast, that is Exterior Home Solutions. You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We continue on on the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Love this handle we're going to right now. Who is J.J. Peterson? Uh, kind of fitting because the other half of his question says, who were some prima donna recruits that uh, you talked to that went to other programs? We won't go there. But does want to know, nice recruits. Russell. Ready, James. <laughs> okay, we will go there. Wants <clears throat> uh, to know. Nicest recruits you've talked to that went on to be elite, whether they came to UT, Brent, or they went somewhere else? Oh, I mean, Kevin Simon was one of the nicest kids I ever dealt with in a recruiting process um, years ago. Obviously, he had, you know, was battled injury all the way through, um, but but he was uh, he, he was a great guy to deal with. Um, Ahmad Brooks was a, a linebacker that ended up at Virginia, if I'm not mistaken, before he went on to the NFL. What about Kai uh, Parham, Hubs? What about Kai Parham? I don't remember. I don't remember. I remember him, but I don't remember. He was talking the Ahmad Brooks class. I know, but I don't remember talking to him. Also went to Virginia. I, I know. Yeah, Ahmad Brooks. Uh, but Ahmad Brooks was a really good player uh, who was a really nice kid, really, really fun guy to deal with throughout the recruiting process. I mean, look, I, I, we rattled off three prima donnas in a hurry. Um, and, and that's just that's just because of, you know, they were just challenging to deal with in different points. Uh, but there's been many more good guys who went on elsewhere um, who uh, as well as guys who came here, who were just great to deal with. I mean, you could spend hours talking about, you know, just a, just a fun, good guys that you dealt with in the recruiting process. Now there's been some that just didn't tell you the truth. And those guys are a little bit maddening, but. <clears throat> Dalton Santos. <clears throat> oh, the Vaders. Now I don't think, I don't think Eric Berry loved the recruiting process, but when you, when you did deal with him, he was, you know, a, a class act is, you know, a preview of what he was going to be in his whole time at Tennessee. He was I'll, great. Say, I'll say this about Eric Berry. He's the one guy who straight up lied to me in the recruiting process, who who got Austin Price the job at VolQuest, but he straight up lied to me on Sunday, and I didn't much care for him till I got to know him. And once I got to know him, 
I understood. He didn't trust me. He didn't know me in the recruiting process very well. Once I got to know him, just a terrific guy. But I was pretty hot with him that Sunday afternoon when he didn't tell me he was committed to Tennessee, only to tell Austin Price about 45 minutes later that he was. I was the Daily Times, baby. The Daily Times scoopball question. <laughs> was a great one. I'll tell you who was really good. He, he always answered the phone. He always did interviews with me uh, for a, for an absolute big timer was Derrick Henry. Like he was, yeah. he was, I mean, hell man, he visited here like five times. Jay Graham got him and Derrick Green. Now Derrick Green didn't turn out to be anything at Michigan, but he got both those kids here like four to five times a piece. But that was Dooley's last year and they had no faith. Kind of like, you know, when Miko Hardman was coming up here for visits, you know, like he could come a billion times, but didn't, you know, never could see Tennessee turning the corner and just couldn't trust it enough to come here. And that's what happened with Henry and Green. Let's go to Vol Nugs fourteen twenty one. Awesome. We'll stay with you. Would committed would committed recruits rethink their commitment if Tennessee were to finish eight and four, or is that the floor record for the staff uh, to build it as a transition year? I, I guess what would it take, and this isn't just this year, this any year. What would it take for committed prospects to start looking around? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think the bottom falling out. You know, seven and five. You know, I think that that would be worrisome to some. Um, you know, but you can say that for a lot of schools, um, you know, and, and here's the thing. If if you're a big time guy and another school comes chasing you, it doesn't matter if Tennessee's 10 and two or seven and five. You may just want to, you know, go through the recruiting process again. And, and you know, as Hub said, build a love because you not felt it in a few months. Like that, you know, that stuff matters to kids. I mean, like it's, you know, I know it for a lot of the people on our site who are 40 years old or 50 years old, they don't understand it much like they don't understand, you know, some of the alternate jersey colors, but the kids like that's what matters. You know, I mean, like the other day somebody said, "Who is I don't understand who this Hayes Fawcett guy is." I'm like, the guy that does every recruit's graphic known to man. I mean, Hayes Fawcett is a young guy who has made an inch for himself. And you know, for older people, they don't get that because they don't understand the graphic game. But for kids, they think that's the coolest thing on the earth. So I mean, that they pick up the phone or they get on DM and they they you know they want him to do their graphics. So I mean, like. What appeals to kids, you know, isn't always wins and losses. Sometimes it is, but I think you know seven and five is probably that that you know, where you have to you know probably do a little bit of recruiting of some of the guys you have committed. Yeah, I, I think for a lot of kids, it's about the stability of the program. Okay, is a guy is a team in trouble if they lose? Is a staff in trouble if they lose games? Obviously, Tennessee's not. Okay, so there's stability there. Then the other thing too is if, is the coordinator leaving? You know, are they going to change direction? You know, or, or is the offense not what they said it was going to be? The defense not what it said it's going to be? That that might get somebody's attention more so than just the record. The record's a factor if that means the coach is in trouble. I, I think that's when the record becomes much more of a factor, and that's not going to be the case at Tennessee. We're going to do a couple more here. Let's go to Big Ball 88. Uh, Brent, this looks like a question for you. If Dante Thornton does not produce this year – is he back next year? How would Thornton and the staff feel about this? It's always been Dante Thornton, best case scenario, one and done here at Tennessee. To this point, has it produced, and of course, dealing with some injuries here. But if that doesn't play out the way everybody wants it to, that's not good news for Tennessee. But what's that mean for Thornton moving forward? Well, I mean, unless he's going to transfer somewhere else, he's got to come back. I mean, nobody in the league's taking him um, based on the lack of production. So, I mean, I, I would say he would be back if his production doesn't explode the back half of this season. Remember this about wide receivers, man. There's a ton of them in the draft every year. So, I mean, Tennessee had a Bolitnikoff award winner who didn't exactly go high in the draft and Jalen Hyatt. So, 
I mean, based on his production right now, I, I don't think he has any choice other than to come back at this well, point, unless he wants to transfer again. And his ability to stay healthy, Hubbard. Like, yeah. I mean, I, you know, right now, I just don't see any way he's able to go pro. He just uh, didn't have enough know. tape. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have enough. He hadn't done enough. And, and, and again, that hamstring's going to flare up. I'm telling you, you're going to see, I, I'm convinced you're going to see a ton of Nimrod and Caleb Webb, you know, down the stretch. And uh, as I joke with Squirrel White Tuesday in the complex, where you put your pads on, wrap yourself in bubble wrap, pal. I mean, like, does he, does he can't afford to get anybody else injured in the in the receiving core. Treat it like an AC joint sprain. Put that bubble wrap underneath the uh, shoulder pads and uh, just, just head on out there. Rob, VFL83 wants to know how many points is Neyland worth nowadays? Typically, it's three points of the home team. How many points for Neyland do you think? Man, I, if it's like it was against South Carolina, which I can easily see it being, I can I, I don't have a problem giving Neyland a, a six-point edge. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm biased from, you know, having grown up around it, but Man, it, I, I feel like it was worth six points against South Carolina. Yeah, and it's also – Tennessee is also a program that under Josh Heupel has played really well at home. So, I mean, A, you got the crowd factor, and then you look at the history of – and Tennessee's success at home, how explosive they've been offensively at home. It probably gives – it probably gives it a, a few more than three points as well. I mean, I think yeah. it's a combination of both. And it's captain obvious, too. I mean, you got to be good. I mean, you got to – you got to have a – you know – you got to be able to give the fans something to cheer about to give you know, to give your fans some swagger when when they come into the building, and you know it's when, when Tennessee is gives their fans something to cheer about. It's I mean, we all I think we all agree it's, it's as good as anywhere. Rob will say with you, Zusafa says, is Dylan Sampson getting enough touches per game? I think Ooh. we can all agree that um, he needs to touch the football. How they utilize those three guys with Jalen Wright clearly be getting the most touches. Always interesting game to game. I, I I'd like to see him get more, but I, you know, I I don't think Jabari Small deserves to be totally, you know, shoved, you know, put putting mothballs either. I mean, because if, if we're talking about that, aren't we talking about that's who you're going to take touches away from? Well, it, and, it would have to be him because you're not taking touches away you know, from Wright. Wright's averaging he's second in the league in yards per carry. So you know, I mean, I can see the argument for giving Dylan more touches than than Jabari, but you know, Jabari's a a quality player too. I I would I'd like to see Samson get more of his touches out in space as a as a receiver. Yeah, personally. yeah. I mean, AP, this doesn't feel like to me like this is a Dylan Samson football game unless they're going to play him out wide in the slot and do some stuff with the pass protection and the defensive front that you have up there. I'm not sure where Tennessee's at with Dylan Samson. I know he's improved in that area. This, this feels like it's more Jalen Wright and Jabari Small in the true running backs formation to me. I could be wrong. We'll see. But that's what it feels like given the history there. Well, I was going to say, hey, for, for running backs, this is the game. You better you better be ready to stay back in and help pass protect, pass pro. I mean, you can't be whiffing. Like, you're going to have to have some big blocks on this one. Well, Jabari has always had, you know, that the niche of being a really good pass protector. But he's whipped a couple of times this year. Mm -hmm. So his, his pass protecting needs to be better if he's going to stay on the field. Because, I mean, that is going to be very, very important this week. All right, we'll go two more. Austin, stay with you here. Vol underscore Nation 3. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but touch again on Elijah rushing. Um, anything there is the Oregon bound? I think that he's probably going to end up at Oregon. You know, the family kind of got sideways with, with you know, Lupoy uh, back before he committed to Arizona, and I think some of that's gotten patched up, and I think Arizona didn't come through with all they need to come through with. And so thus, uh, you know, 
back on the open market. Again, it's the NIL era. Don't discount anything. Um, but, you know, it, it certainly feels that way. And then last one, we'll end with Greg One Vols. I think this is a Monday night chat question. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if we got to it in the chat, but we're going to get to it here. Uh, more likely to happen. Tennessee rushes for 175 yards against Al- uh, against Texas A&M, or A&M gets four sacks on this offensive line to Joe Milton. Rob, you want to start us off? Oh, I got him again. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with this the easy stat stat line. I'll, I'll go Tennessee goes 100, 170. Or Texas A&M gets four sacks is more likely just because if you look at their numbers, that's about what they average per game. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. I, I don't think that'll be a death knell for Tennessee either. AP? I'm going to go neither. You got to pick uh, one. Get one. More likely. Well, I guess more likely, I guess I would agree with Rob. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that it's most likely to end up with neither. Yeah, I Brent. would agree. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure either one happens, but if one of those happens, then it's – I think it's four sacks and not 175 yards rushing. Just he gets 175 yards rushing in this yeah. game, they're going. They're having. They're having a fun afternoon in Neyland State. Things have gone really well for Tennessee. Now, the last time they went against DJ Durkin, they rushed for over 200 yards when he was at Ole Miss. But he wasn't lining up at Ole Miss with what he's lining up with in the defensive front with Texas A&M. So, um, now I, I think it's more likely out of those out of those two questions, I think it's more likely they give up the sacks than it is they rush for that much. I would agree as well, and on all accounts, especially if you rush for 175 yards, I mean, you need to be winning that football game, especially against this defense. We will find out Tennessee, Texas A&M. That is a 3:30 kick on CBS at Neyland Stadium, checkered Neyland. All the pregame coverage all week long, right here at VolQuest.com, and of course, coverage throughout the game and afterwards. No better place. Your leading source for Tennessee football news and recruiting coverage. That is BallQuest.com. Appreciate you guys for being here, sending in your questions as you do each and every week for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. Big shout out to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. It's East Tennessee's first choice in roofing. Use your trusted and local source for exterior home renovations. That's Exterior Home Solutions. A free estimate, 865-524-5888 or always online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. For Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, Austin Price, I am Eric Kane. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Thanks so much for tuning in to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on BallQuest. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.